Hey, DJ Flook here from Stadium Scenes Main Event. Networking has become more important than ever, so why are you still carrying around paper business cards that end up lost or in the trash? Our friends at Link have created a solution to that problem by getting your contact info directly into that person's phone with a simple tap from your plastic business card, a bracelet, or even an Apple Watch band. When it's time to update your contact info, make the change in their easy-to-use networking app. For listeners of Stadium Scenes Made Event, you can save 15% by typing in promo code StadiumScene, that's all one word, at checkout. To learn more, visit linkapp.com. That's L I N Q A P P.com. There's a lot of people in the sports world nowadays athletes, media personalities, bloggers, podcasters, video producers, influencers all with amazing stories to share about how they got to where they are today and where they're going tomorrow. I'm DJ Fluke, and along with my partners, Kate Thompson. I'm sorry, I didn't go to a college that has football teams, so sometimes I space out. And Jillian Fisher. Hey! Oh my gosh, I alerted my pug, and he's like, oh no, don't bark, please don't bark. We're here to share those stories in something we like to call StadiumScene.tv's main event. Hey, before we get started, this episode was also recorded as a video, which is available on YouTube via the description of this podcast episode. Otherwise, enjoy the show. So after a month of hiatus, I'm I'm back at least. Um, you know, Kate, as I mentioned in our, our video that we put out a couple weeks ago, her, her partner in... Uh, our graphics designer Steve's father passed away um, after a, a couple-year battle with with a couple of different blood cancers. Um, you know they're doing as well as as can be. Um, we thank everybody for their their support through the times. And, and Kate should be back next week. But till then, um, I had a a surprise. Uh, let's just say return of a, one of our older partners. Um, we'll, we'll you know after we do the introduction, I'll tell a quick story here. So our, our guest today uh, has hosted a couple different, um, we'll say publications on our site. And uh, you know, he was the host orig- uh, originally of the Bros Talking Soccer podcast with his two brothers. Then he branched out and started. Now, yes, he got the, the vintage Bros Talking Soccer shirt. Awesome. Yeah, the classic. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, and then he branched out. And today he's coming on to talk about his YouTube channel, The Soccer Tavern. So please welcome our old friend, Dave Knittel. Hey, welcome. It's good to hear from you. Yeah, thanks, DJ. Happy to be back. Happy to be uh, connecting with you again after, you know, a long time away. So excited yeah. to be here, man. I'm just sitting here on a Sunday and, and I get, you know, some alerts on my phone from Twitter and I'm just like, wait, what? And so that was, uh, that, was a, that was a fun surprise. So it's, I'm glad to have you back. Thank you. Yeah, I'm excited to be back. So before we get started, you know, Dave, like I mentioned, Dave's one of our earliest uh, partners when we were first getting started. And we, we first connected and first chatted a, a couple of weeks after my, my girls were born. Uh, it's probably, you know, I, I don't know if you remember this, but it was like a Saturday morning. We were in, talking in between like Premier League games. And I, you know, my, my girls had just been born. You know, they were in the NICU. Uh, my water heater in my house blew up and flooded my whole first floor. Uh, you know, it's, it, was, it was a chaotic time in my life. And can you believe that was almost three and a half years ago now? 
No, Matt, it's, I mean, I'm, I'm sure it's a blur for you, but it is most certainly a blur for me. <laughs> and, you know, with, with that, and then, you know, we've got the pandemic going on and, and you know, you've, you've, you took some time away and, you, you know, you moved across country. I mean, it's just unreal how, how things have come along and how, how quickly time passes. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, I can't believe that was three and a half years ago. Wow. <laughs> so jumping right into it, the, you know, the Soccer Tavern, it, it's been around for, you know, three and a, three and a half, four years now. Um, uh, 2018 is when it launched. So what is that, three years? It's a little yeah, more than three? Right. Three years ago now. So yeah, yeah wow. You took some time away and the channel kept growing. So, <laughs> you know, let's let's talk a little bit. What, what was the inspiration for, for creating the channel? Let's, let's talk a little bit about it. You know, what was, what was the purpose? What was the inspiration behind it? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, I'm, I've always been a soccer fan. And so that was kind of at the root of it, the inspiration, but it's kind of a, a long winded story. Uh, try to try, I'll try to shorten it as much as possible, but uh, I worked in like corporate America and wasn't loving it. And I had this idea for a startup for a fantasy soccer application called FanFootSoul. So I was working on that on the side and trying to build that up. And I'm not a tech guy. I come from the world of like finance. I've built up a, a knowledge of tech, but I had to outsource my development. And that was a frustrating process. So to keep basically my sanity and controlling sort of nature, uh, I started the podcast with my brothers, the Bros Talking Soccer podcast. And that was how I kind of got into the content game. That was something that I was much more in control of. You know, we put out episodes. I think we did over like 250 episodes. We had over 40 guests, had 40,000 or 50,000 listens in its life. Um, and that's how we got connected. And so was in the content game, but was also working on this startup going through a couple different development firms. And eventually I was in California at the time, I settled on a development firm, mainly based in Mexico, but the CEO was in San Jose where I was living. So we, we met up a couple of times and he was talking about ways to promote fan futsal. And he started talking about this YouTube channel that his kids loved. And it was this guy, and I wish I, I wrote it down or remembered it because, uh, you know, it's a very popular channel, but he got on and he was going through the alphabet and naming like the countries and basically explaining about, you know, their economies, where they're physically located, the, the population, all these different things. And this guy was like, why don't you do something like this for soccer? And that was kind of the genesis of the soccer tavern. Uh, it was something that I could do by myself and be in control of. I you know, the finance in me put together templates and put a very structured way of researching these videos and all of that. But that was kind of a, a roundabout and long-winded way of saying that I basically just love soccer and I wanted to make some videos about it. But yeah, that's, that's the full backstory. And, and if I remember right, I mean, you had some, some pretty high profile call-outs like of, of club, you know, you did club history videos. And, you, and if I remember right, you had at least one, one of the, the major clubs like thumbs up your, your video for you. Yeah, specifically the German clubs were really interactive with me, which was really cool. I, I can't remember, maybe a smaller Premier League team, but I distinctly remember, I think it was Union Berlin. I wanted to pronounce it the German way. Uh, Union Berlin. Uh, I started pronouncing it the German way. I speak a little bit of German, so sometimes I get crossed up with that. But Union Berlin, I think, was really interactive. Uh FC Cologne might have been too. It was just really cool with those. But any, you know, fan groups, it's tough with that because some fan groups are just like so knowledgeable and protective 
and like if I mispronounced one word, it was just like the video sucked. Uh, whereas others were really welcoming and just excited to have a video made about them. So, you know, the more I've kind of created content, builds up a thicker skin, the more I can let those comments sort of roll off me. Yeah, and that's, you know, uh, we're, we're kind of, as, as we're building up our, our YouTube profile and I've been, been studying and, and they said like, the, you know, the number one thing with YouTube is, is not the production quality. Um, you know, it, it's, 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 is it the content? Is it interesting? Is it accurate? And, and number two is, you know, there's like one ABC and two is, can you get over the fear of criticism? And so many channels just get destroyed because here comes that first negative troll coming on and saying, Hey, you suck. You're an idiot. And then it just ruins it. Yeah. And it's so tough because those people are always generally more vocal and it sticks out because people who like the video, it's easy to give a thumbs up, but the people who comment tend to have a specific reason why they're commenting and you know, it's just, you, I, you know, I just remember I had like hundreds of likes, but it was those one or two, you know, negative comments that really stuck out because it was always specific and I'm a perfectionist kind of by nature. And so, uh, you know, those really bothered me, but the more I did it, the more just comfortable I got, the more I tended to focus on, all right, these people, you know, I've thousands of subscribers now, you know, hundreds of thousands of views. And it's just like, you know, focus on, focus on the positives and, and all of that. And, Getting back to, to your point about quality of content, I mean, that was something I always prided myself on. And the comments that bothered me the most were like, this guy's just reading off Wikipedia because that's not true in any way. I make it a point not to have Wikipedia as, uh, as a source. I do anywhere from 12 to 20 hours of research per like big club video. And so it I put so much time and effort into these videos. And so when people like, sort of like to uh, minimize it from that perspective that always kind of really bothered me. And I would respond to those, but most of the negative comments where it's like, this guy sucks. Americans don't know about football. Those <laughs> things, I just, I just <laughs> like them and I just move on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But um, yeah, no, I, I, it's, it's been awesome and I'm excited to get back doing it because I love doing it. And then went through a personal situation, which you know about, and you know, had to move cross country and, uh, you know, just settle. And now I'm finally settled and looking forward to getting back into it. And, you know, we, what actually our, our top performing video we've ever done, you know, the, the production quality was, was pretty poor, but I, I thought it was pretty interesting. And I, I did this, you know, 10 minute kind of following your, your structure of the, the story behind how the Baltimore Colts ended up in Indianapolis and, you know, it's one of those, I, I published it, I forgot about it, I went back, I'm like, wow, quite a few people have watched this, a lot of likes have come in. And then all of a sudden, I see some, some comments start populating in of people bickering, and, and it's just like, not about me or the video, but it's like, oh, Baltimore, it's like, yeah, they get upset about the Colts, but then they stole the Cleveland Browns, uh, and then it just turned into this whole bickering, and I'm just like, you know what, it's pretty awesome, I've created some engagement right there, and <laughs> I will take it. Yeah, that's what's important. <laughs> so, you know, we've talked about the inspiration. You know, what? Let's get down into like, you know, what what you find on the soccer tavern. What what kind of videos do you publish? You know, what what would a viewer see when they go to your your channel? Yeah, sure. So our tagline is the history, culture, and philosophy of the beautiful game, which is uh, just kind of a broad way of me saying I didn't really know what kind of content I was going to create in the beginning. <laughs> Mainly, I have focused on history, club histories, and national team histories. So you'll find 
most of the English Premier League teams, I haven't made videos in a few years, so I think I'm a, a little bit behind on those, but most of the big clubs are, are on there. And it's anywhere from like a 10 to 20 minute video taking you through where's the club located, what's their stadium, what was their founding story, what's some interesting facts about supporters, some of their best players in their history, some of the best managers, statistics, uh, any rivalries they have and records, and then end with a fun fact. So that's kind of my structure. Again, everything's laid out in an Excel document. So I, I kind of very uh, regimentedly follow those that, that sort of script. And then everything I do is scripted because I can be a little bit long-winded. So it tends to be um, pretty on point. And so there's a lot of information in there. And so you'll have club history videos for England and Germany. And then I, I can't remember who gave me this idea. I want to give them credit, but it's just been such a whirlwind. But someone gave me the idea that I should reach out to like small clubs, uh, yeah. not, like above men's league, but um, not, you know, professional league. And so, you know, they're in England, you know, there's all kinds of pyramid and divisions and things like that. So I started reaching out to some of them. There's some lower league teams in America that I've worked with. And so with them, what I did is I partnered with them, reached out to someone at the club who was like, you know, club secretary or president or something like that, and worked with them to fill out my template. And then I made a video about them. And so we have a bunch of videos on there for them. For the 2018 World Cup, I made national team history videos for all 32 participants. And so while it might be slightly outdated, it is still useful. And then finally, I have terminology videos. So like, why is it called a panenka? Where did the term nutmeg come from? And so some of those. I always thought the terminology videos would be more uh, be more popular, but they, they just haven't been. It might be because it's tough for people to find, but I find those to be the most interesting and fun to, to make and to research. Uh, it, as much as I enjoy the club history videos, th those, because like, I don't know, I, I, it's just for some reason, those really appeal to me. And so those are the videos on right now. And then hopefully I'm going to be getting my brother, Christian, who those who know me from the Bros Talking Soccer podcast will know him and he might be making some videos. And then I might have uh, another friend from back in the day start making videos. I think he's going to focus on Italian clubs. And so we're just getting more people in there and the content may diversify a little bit from there, but that's what's on there now. And again, I've left it pretty broad so we can kind of explore a lot of different avenues in the soccer world. And to your earlier point about, um, you know, using Wikipedia, yes, using Wikipedia directly is not a good idea. Using the sources cited in Wikipedia, that's good, because it's usually much more in-depth, and it's usually a, a, a valid source, and there's a, usually a lot of good information you're going to find in there that you won't find in Wikipedia. So Wikipedia yeah. is a great starting point. It's not a... Yeah, and so I, do, I generally don't start with it. Uh, but if Google is not getting me what, what I need with any primary sources, I'll go to Wikipedia, see if I can find a source from that. And so that has definitely been my friend as well. So I haven't deviated too much yet, part maybe because Kate's not here today. Um, I, I kind of do it just to drive her nuts and then she tries to bring it back and then you know, it doesn't go. But I'm, I'm going to deviate and talk about a, a recent event that uh, has irked much of the world. Uh, the the Super League. Uh, <laughs> you know, this has been something that's been rumored for years. And then finally, it gets announced. You, you get the blowback. I don't know if we expected this amount of blowback, but like, what, you know, what was your thought when 
it's like, oh, this, the Super League is, you know, is finally here. We're finally getting that, you know, the sequel to Ghostbusters that we've been promised for 30 <laughs> years. It's like, what, what was your reaction when you finally saw, oh, wait, this, this thing might actually be real? Like, how did, how did you react to that? I mean, not positively. I just thought that it was kind of tone deaf. And there was a lot of misinformation kind of going on. And no one really knew what it meant because it was like, they announced this and it was supposed to be a replacement for the Champions League and then they would stay in their domestic leagues. But then the domestic leagues all rebelled and were like, no, you can't stay here. And so, it, you know, with the clubs like leaving their domestic leagues, I thought was just that that, that would just crush them and kill the game. And so um, I just thought it was a bad idea. It was incredibly tone deaf from the owners to announce it when they did and the way that they did uh, with, you know, the whole, I, I don't know how many of your, viewers like are into soccer but like they had been negotiating with the with the clubs that represent Europe with the Champions League with UEFA and they were set to make an announcement on reform of the Champions League on Monday and to accommodate the big clubs and they've been a part of those negotiations I think they had reassured UEFA that they were on board the previous week and then that weekend they announced this and UEFA announces their changes on Monday and it was just like it, it, they just came across as greedy, as uh, tone deaf towards their fans. It was something that no one was really asking for outside of the billionaire owners. I will say this. I have interacted. I have really stayed off social media, but just through my brother and through getting back on a little bit. I will say the younger generation. So like, not that I'm that old, but like people in their like low 20s and below absolutely loved it. Like they were like on board. They were excited about it. Uh, at least, you know, globally. I'm sure the local fans weren't, but uh, for me, it was just kind of dumb. I, I understand at a high level the thought behind it in that, you know, you want to get the best clubs playing each other every week, but I think that takes away the specialness of Barcelona and Liverpool meeting, you know, once every five years. If they're playing every few weeks or at least twice a year, it's like, hey, then it becomes monotonous on top of it, you know, are you know is Tottenham going to be competing at the top of the Super League all respect to Tottenham fans but are they going to be excited to be finishing 19th in that league every year you know I just didn't see how it was going to appeal it was going to then stratify the same way league stratify and like the biggest four or five clubs would be competing every year there'd be probably a mid-table and then there'd be clubs at the bottom every year and I just think it would have lost its interest relatively quickly you know, and then you had, in, you know, in, in Germany's case where basically, you know, all the Bundesliga clubs kind of stood together and said, no, nah, not, not, not for us. And, and PSG, I don't, I don't think they you know, necessarily saw it as, you know, this is, you know, bad for the fans, but, you know, I think they quietly waited to see what the blowback would be. And then they're like, this is a bad idea. We were, <laughs> you know, it's, it's kind of like you're, quietly hanging around like mm, oh bad idea bad idea but but then you also see some of these reports coming out that you know um Perez from from Real Madrid who's the ringleader behind this this whole shenanigans and and there's concerns from both the Madrid club Real Madrid and and Barcelona that maybe their financial situations are are not great and you know that all that debt is finally catching up with them and that this is kind of their plan to bail themselves out and now it blew up in their faces so now what 
Yeah, I mean, Bars is, is in a very bad situation just from the wages that they've accumulated over the years. They're going to have to sell players, and it's going to be a it's going to be a mess over there from my perspective. You know, and you look at like, uh, if I remember right, I looked at it the other day, and it was like Messi is like twenty five percent of their player salary just for him. I mean, yeah, and their other I, players aren't paid like peanuts either. So oh, like, that's what's even crazier. And you look at Madrid and you see players who are like reserve players that are making more than, you know, top six premier starting 11 players. And it's just like yeah. the reserve guy who comes off the bench 10 minutes every you know, five or 10 games. And he's, you know, he's making, uh, you know, a hundred thousand euros a week, which is just insane for a reserve player. I mean, it's, it's, it's insane. Like it, yeah. it's, it's just all that free spending and, you know, and then, they're, they're renovating there. I mean, it just seems like, I, I think like that house of cards is about to fall over and it's going to fall over hard. Yeah, I agree. So that'll, that'll be interesting. You know, it's good too, because it's like, you know, Spain has been so heavily dominated by those two clubs for such a long time. And you know, this year you've got, you know, Atletico kind of hanging up there. I mean, they, you know, they've, they've kind of dwindled that, uh, that lead they had earlier on, but um, you know, they've, they've made some noise and the other clubs that you see every, you know, sneaking into the champions league every so many years are kind of, kind of hanging in. So it's, I, I mean, I, I think it's interesting, at least from the other clubs perspectives, but I, I'd be nervous if I was, you know, one of those two club supporters, just, you know, I think these next couple of years may, may be a little more challenging than you might think. I agree. I mean, I think they'll bounce back because they, they, they kind of ebb and flow, but yeah, I, I would agree. I think that they're, there will be some ramifications from this, but also just from the years of dominance and the years of just like wage escalations because they've had great players, but the way that you keep great players is you got to keep paying them more. And as those salaries go up, if you bring in new players, they, you know, just your wage structure gets all kinds of out of whack. And so uh, Barcelona specifically with, with Messi um, and then all the players that they've retained that are aging out uh, is in a really tough spot position financially and then COVID on top of it um you know that, well it's you know I don't feel bad for them but that's it's going to impact that yeah, there's, there's no sympathy here it's just facts that it's going to impact the quarter of another debt-laden club I don't feel bad for them at all <laughs> yeah <laughs> lasers out yeah I said it I uh I own I own one share of Manchester United stock I, I bought it like five six years ago and every year, like I actually just got the materials the other day for the annual meeting. And it my kind of my like vindication is I get to vote for the board. And there's like, I think there's 12 board seats and five of them are people with Glazer in their last name. And then the sixth one's Ed Woodward, who's on his way out at the end of the year. So it's just like, nope, 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 nope. <laughs> I don't know anything about you, but your name's not Glazer. So you can stay. <laughs> It's the little things, you know, that keep yeah, us going as fans. My my one little share, so that that's my one vote. So, so let's uh, let's let's move it back. We got our DVA, or our, you know, we went off the track. We're we're going to come back on. Um, you know, you've you've been doing this now for a few years. You've taken some time off. I'm sure there's going to be a little bit of uh, you know, getting back on on track again. But share share a piece of advice you've learned since you started making these videos. Yeah. So what, so everyone's content is different. And so, you know, this advice may be helpful or, or may not. And it was something we were talking about before we went live. It's just what I learned as someone who 
you know, I, I grinded for so long with the podcast and with the soccer tavern and with the podcast, it was fantastic. And, and I love doing it, but um, it's just, when we stop doing it, just all of it just kind of goes away almost immediately. Whereas the soccer tavern content, I kind of specifically set out to make it evergreen, which just means that, you know, whether you watch that today or you watch it three days from now or three months or three years from now, the content is more or less still going to be relevant. And so, especially as I was building the YouTube channel and wasn't you know, it, it just takes a lot of time. And if I'm not going to, you know, stream every day or put out two or three videos every week, uh, the fact that I was able to build a base and it took forever to build that base of the soccer tavern, but it, it bore, it bore fruit. I think is the right way to say that. Um, because, you know, I started making videos in January of 2018 and I made, had to be 50 or 60 videos by September. And like I said, each video took about 20 hours, you know, 10 to 20 hours of research. And then by recording and all that, it was probably 15 to 25 hours into each video and ended up with, you know, maybe a few hundred subscribers and, you know, thousands of views, but um, it was just a lot of work and it just didn't, it didn't see that, that benefit there. But the nice thing about the evergreen content is that I stopped making videos in September of 2018 and didn't start making videos again until September of 2019. I didn't really see a drop off in views. If anything, it just kept growing, even though I didn't put out new videos. Then I made videos for about three or four months in 2019 and, you know, grew the channel to about 800 subscribers. When I started, when I stopped in January of 2020, didn't make videos until I just put out, and this is the end of April. Now I just put out, a video that just on back and have over 2,500 subscribers have 240 some thousand views have, you know, almost a million minutes watched. And it's all just because of like, I, I, I thought about the content and what I was willing to kind of put into it and what I was willing to get out of it. And I just found that the evergreen content really worked for me and what I wanted to accomplish and what, you know, I could kind of get out of YouTube. And if you're willing to put the effort in to make quality content and make it more, you know, hey, is this going to be relevant, you know, a week from now? Um, you know, I think that was going to be really helpful. The podcast was super easy to do. We'd watch soccer, kind of read social media, and then we could just chat about it. You know, that's kind of easy to do. But if you're willing to put the work and the effort in to make, you know, something that is really useful and, and people find interesting and it's not super easy for people to just do. Um, and you know, it lasts for a longer time. It, it's worth it. And so I don't know, if, you know, it's not going to be applicable to everyone. And there's definitely ways that if you're doing a podcast, I'm not trying to slander you in any way. It's there's ways to be successful. And if you're really funny or personable and putting out a lot of content, you know, you can build up quite an audience, but um, for me, what I found is just the evergreen content really seemed to work for me. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's history doesn't change. I mean, interpretation of history does, but history doesn't change. So um, yeah, that, that definitely, especially, I mean, you might have to update somebody's trophy count, but other than that, that's uh, yeah, it pretty much stays consistent. So that definitely helps. Mm -hmm. So Dave, again, great to talk to you again. Really excited to have you back. Um, most important question, where, where can we find the Soccer Tavern? Where can we find your social media? Yeah, sure. So the Soccer Tavern is a YouTube channel. So youtube.com slash C slash the Soccer Tavern. I will say this. I, so I came up with the name before really 
doing much research. There is an actual soccer tavern in Brooklyn, New York, not affiliated <laughs> with them in any way. We've interacted a couple of times on social media. I was trying to get a video made about them before, uh, before I stopped. And so I'm going to reach back out to them. But I am not the soccer tavern in Brooklyn, New York. I am a YouTube channel. It's not a real soccer tavern. Um, I think they have a YouTube channel too and social media. So just in case anyone gets confused, mine is like a black and orange logo. Looks like very, that. Yes, very, very and, interesting. Yes. And so uh, youtube.com slash C slash the soccer tavern. That's where all our videos are. Uh, on Twitter, we're at the soccer tavern. On Facebook, it's at the soccer tavern. And on Instagram, it's the soccer tavern TV because the, I think the original, <laughs> whatever Brooklyn soccer tavern has that handle. Uh, we also just start, started selling uh, merchandise. So that's bonfire.com slash the soccer tavern. I think bonfire. We'll, we'll get the, uh, we'll get the correct link in the description of the video. Okay. Yeah. We will, you can do we'll that. have all that <laughs> for you that you can click below and uh, you know, or if you're listening to this as a podcast, it's in the episode description. Awesome. Thanks TJ. Hey, you're at least on the right coast now that um, if you want to take a you know, restrictions ease up, you can take a, a trip up to Brooklyn pretty easily now. Go yeah, no, I've, yeah, I've thought about that. And, you know, maybe that's something that, that I, uh, I can explore and like, you know, we can meet up and do something in person. But I do want to um, make a video for them because they've been cool about me, you know, using their name. That, that name has been around, I think, since the 1930s uh, at that place. So I really want to oh, make a video wow. about them because it has a lot of history and i think it would be really cool to do something wow that's that's awesome so hey it's you know sounds that's good that they're uh, they're they're very forgiving so <laughs> yeah you gotta give them the free press and it sounds like all yeah, right anyone anyone in brooklyn new york go check them out they're they're really cool awesome so dave again thank you for being on the show today the channel is the soccer tavern on youtube the soccer tavern with the uh the, the black and orange logo with the history videos not the pub in brooklyn so again, thank you everybody for watching. Check us out at stadiumscene.tv, at Stadium Scene on Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, and TikTok, and at Stadium underscore scene on Instagram. Make sure you mash that subscribe button and uh, and make sure you get the alerts every time a new video is published. Do the same thing for uh, for Dave's videos as well. So we'll see you next time. Kate will be back, we hope. And uh, we've got some surprises in there. So um, keep watching. We'll see you next time. Thanks, DJ.